Yeah. Uh. It's saving for one one, you feel me? I teach you how to save. Earn your money, yeah. Earn your money, I know you can. I teach you how to save. Don't waste your money, but bank your money. Don't spend your end. I teach you how to save. Your bank account will be spinning. Welcome, wealth builders, to Cafe Moolah. Your spot for wealth building information, wisdom, and a pep talk. This is 100 Wealth Building Secrets with James Marshall, podcast number 11. Try to live off 50% of your income. I'm your host, James Marshall, a registered investment advisor and president of Marshall Wealth Management. We are a registered investment advisory firm registered in Texas and Kentucky. For 30 years, I've been educating, advising, and managing wealth for diverse families all over the country. But today, I'm going to share my knowledge and a cup of coffee with you and all it will cost you is an open mind I'll be talking about different concepts of wealth building, some financial, some emotional, some physical, and yes, some even spiritual. But the bottom line is you will leave with some knowledge and knowledge is wealth. Now, listening to my podcast series will advance your thinking about money and wealth, how to get it, how to protect it, how to pass it on. So if you want to grow, protect and pass on your finances, you need to be listening and listening often. So whether you're walking, running, exercising or having your choice of beverages, Clear your mind, purify your thoughts, and let's have at it. Now, like we do every week, we start off with our A to Z financial definition of the week. This week's letter is J, and J is for joint account. Joint account is a bank account held in the names of two or more people, often a couple. Usually goes to the survivor in the event of the death of the other holder. So if you are married, you have an account, both your names are on the account, either one of you can get money out of the account without the other person. But if one dies, the account is still held by the other person. So it does not have to go through probate to give an example. Joint account. It's a good account to have if you are doing anything with some type of a partnership. All right. Now, I believe one of the best ways to try to live off 50% of each dollar is to implement the Marshall cash flow strategy. Yes, I have my own cash flow strategy that I like to try to get my clients to utilize. And it's really three parts to the strategy, uh, beginning, intermediate, and advanced. But let's talk about your after-tax money. You want to try and tithe or gift 10% of your income, save 10%, invest 5%, debt management 25%, and live off 50%. Say that again. With each dollar you make after taxes, you want to try to tithe or gift 10%, save 10%, or pay yourself first 10%, invest 5%, which is different from saving, and debt management 25%. This includes your mortgage, your car payments, any credit card debt, or any debt, and then live off 50%. Now, once you have your six months of cash reserve saved up and you've paid down your debt, the strategy for your after-tax income should change to the advanced version. I've skipped the it's me I'm going to the advanced. Tithe or gift 10%, invest 40%, 
and live off 50% because now you're no longer saving so you don't have to do the 10% for saving because you have your cash reserve set aside. Your debt has been paid down to zero. So all that extra money that was going to those things gets redirected to investing and investing builds wealth. That's in a tax deferred or tax qualified investment. That is one of the most effective ways of building wealth. I know it's not easy. It's hard. It seems like when I'm talking about it, I'm thinking it's an easy process. I'm not saying it's an easy process. I know it's hard, but it is a very effective process and is much easier to accomplish with two incomes instead of one. So if you are a couple and you're working together on a combined wealth building goals, then it should be a little bit easier to accomplish this strategy. Like anything else, it takes effort and more importantly, it takes discipline. And just keep in mind, a journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. So you just got to start. You may fall short, but you just start over again. And the sooner you start, the sooner you get there. In this case, the first step is taking an honest assessment of your monthly income and expenses, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, if you don't know how much it costs you to live each month, then you can't effectively budget your money. So you have to clearly look at what you're spending every day of the month. As a matter of fact, you're going to want to take a 30-day diary of expenses to determine exactly what you are spending your money on on any given day. So you can stop spending money where you shouldn't spend it and redirect money where it should go. Does that make sense? You know, let me take you back to my book, A Fool and His Money, and the thoughts and comments of the key character in the book, Anthony Fool. Yeah, Anthony, as you guys know, is quite the character and he's very comical. But in this case, he, he says to me and he calls me M, short for Marshall. You know, M, I tried the whole budgeting thing you talked about and it's not a pleasant experience. Once I listed all my expenses and really got down to the bare bones, it was like getting naked in front of the mirror without the FUBU, Sean John, and DKNY. It was all fat, flab, and man breasts. Not a pretty sight. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, the bottom line is once you take a, a honest assessment of, of what you're doing wrong or where you're wasting money, it's uh, it's pretty disturbing. But you have to do it. Uh, if you don't, if you avoid the things that you don't want to know, then you'll never be able to change your your activity and your behavior to get you in a better place. So, hey, Anthony is a character, but he is just that a character. So. Uh, it's easy for him to make changes because I just have to write those changes in. But you have to take ownership of this thing and make, and make it your own and do it yourself. But just remember, Wealth Builders, it is what it is. It is what it is. If you can't face it, you can't change it. So I decided to share my strategy with some random folk just to see whether or not I was talking about something that was doable. Whether or not I was just talking outside of my neck. And I want you to take a listen to uh, what they had to say. See you on the other side. All right, sitting here with Marcus, my Uber driver. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing good. Listen, I'm just wanting to know what you think about my theory that a person could live off 50% of their income. First of all, let me give you the background on it. My strategy is that of each dollar that you make, you tithe or give 10%, you save 10%, you invest 5%, debt management 25%, and live off of 50%. Now, do you think that that is possible or what are your thoughts on it? Uh, really, I do agree. I agree with that, James. I feel like that's a great idea or something. Uh, me and my wife talk about I feel like the best way that you'll be able to manage I'd like you say living out 50% and 
use another 50% to pay your tithes and debt management is the first thing is you can't live, put yourself in a position where you live living beyond your means. Living within your means and living below, actually living below your means is the best way to make that happen. I feel like that's a great strategy. Oh uh, yeah, you know, I have another book that I wrote called uh, A Fool and His Money uh-huh. and the main character is Anthony Fool. Okay. And Anthony Fool often says that he is monemic or low on cash. Uh, that he says that uh, his his ends can't stand each other, let alone me. Okay. So a lot of people give lip service to the concept of yeah, if I live beyond my live below my means, I'll be able to effectively save money. But is that something that you feel like you're doing in your family? I feel like something that that's something that we're working towards. It all comes like communication. Sometimes like in your relationship, but just actually knowing yourself, but like communicating, especially being in a relationship helps you better to be able to reach that goal to where you formulate and sit down and come with a, a number, the amount of money you're making and what means you want, I mean, uh, the standards you want to live. You don't want to try to put yourself to where you live in, um, above your means. So communication is one of the best things and being honest with yourself. So that's something that me and my wife are working on. Uh, okay, are, are, you, are you doing pretty good on it? I mean, oh, yeah, are you I'm, running into problems or what? I'm doing pretty good. I think I, we kind of started off like made some decisions where we were actually living within our means, but it's just pretty much how life circumstances happen. Yes. <laughs> like it's just certain stuff that comes up in life that you really don't expect. So. We had to make an adjustment as far as like being able to try to come up with a um, a solution to deal with it. Murphy's Law, he's always in the mix, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, because you never know what can come up in life. That's right. Now, that's one of the main points for having a cash flow strategy or a purpose for each dollar is because you have to establish emergency money or cash reserves to deal with any unforeseen issues that might pop up and mess up your flow. And the strategy is having six to 12 months living expenses set aside in cash reserves. And are you guys on track to that? Or is that something you you, you believe in? That, that is something I believe in. That's something I say like we're work, working toward. Like I say, we have been known to live within our means. Like I say, just certain situations came up in life. So we had to revamp and go back to the drawing board. That way we'll be able to accommodate ourselves and we won't be in a position where we're living from paycheck to paycheck because the goal is to not just survive, it's to thrive. Oh man, you so said that, it well. That's, that's exactly what we're working on. Like we're formulating, um, like I, I got a book that's actually coming out within the next couple months. It's called Right on Time. Oftentimes I talk to people and I've been doing this 30 years. People oftentimes say, well, you know, God's going to handle it. I'm just going to leave it to the Lord. Well, you know, it's about being a good steward of the blessings you've already received. So speak to this concept of I don't have to do anything to uh, be responsible for my money or be a responsible manager of my money because God is going to make a way for me regardless. Well, what I feel about that is some people get too caught up and they don't really understand what's being said in the Bible. We have to do what one thing my grandmother told me all the time. She told me, Marcus, do your part and let God do the rest. So I can't just sit back and expect that God, expect for God to do everything. It doesn't work like that. 
I have to make myself um, knowledgeable and be honest with myself and do my part first. And then what I can't control, I turn it over to God. Because God gives us the bit of the learn. But it's not just about learning. What I find out one of the hardest things to do until you just get in that position not just obtaining the information, but it's applying. So application is really the main thing. So you just can't sit back on your laws and just say, God gonna take care of my work like this. You gotta do your part first. And then what you can't do, that's what God steps in. I hear that, I hear that. Basically, and that speaks to the whole idea of it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And, and on the theme of living off 50% of your income, uh, being that you have a nine to five and you're driving Uber, your wife is working, uh, can you see a way where you can live off of one of your income and use the rest to pay down debt and save? Uh, yes, yes, I believe it, I believe it. Actually, that's what we're doing right now. Excellent. Because my, my wife, she isn't working right now. That's why I say sometimes life comes up okay. and might disrupt what you have going on, but at the same time, some people say adversity builds character, which it does, but it also does reveal you, reveals character, and it gives you an opportunity to maybe capitalize the thing that you might not have been able to capitalize. Like she was working, but right now she's not working. But even though she's not working, she's able to have more time to be like stress-free from what her job, what's coming along with her job, even though we're doing us other stuff to supplement the income, but it's giving her time and more energy to devote to the business idea that she has and do work with God. And I, I'd say so it, probably, worked, it worked out for the it worked out for the best. And it seems like probably since you've had that situation where uh, she's unexpectedly not employed. I imagine that now you guys are really paying close attention to your budget and where each dollar is going. Is that something you're doing before, or did, or did adversity make you be more responsible in terms of managing your money? To be honest, we were doing that before. I'm real good with marriage, and my wife, she's real, like, directing to the point, like, if I say I'm going to give her this money, or she says she's going to save her that amount of money, she's real big on sticking with it. So we were already doing it, it's just like, when that came about, it made us even focus even more. Greater sense of urgency. Yeah, more, a more sense of urgency. Like I say, it worked out because it gave her the opportunity to like, have less stress as far as the pressure come coming on being a worksheet and supervisor. And now she's able to spend more time with the kids. We have two daughters, spend more time with the kids spend more time devoted to church. She's always big on church, but to give her more time to devote time to church and focus on the stuff that she want to focus on as far as the career studies she want to do. Okay, so it all worked out. It all worked out. So you would say then, in summarizing, that yes, indeed, it is possible to live off 50% of your income. It's most definitely possible. Like I say, one of the biggest things is communication and being honest with yourself and then formulating a plan Sticking with the plan. All right. So you can most definitely live about 50%, like you say, 10% for your tithes and pay your debt, and you can live about 50%. Outstanding. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, man. You're a very wise brother. Oh, thank you so much, <laughs> And good luck you so with your book. Thank you. Thank you so All much, right. Okay, I'm in the car here with Justin. This is the Uber. And uh, I'm going to talk to him about our podcast number 11. 
try to live off of half of what you make. Now, Justin, I mean, this is a concept that I have that a person could live off of half of what they make. And if they were to live off of half of what they make, they would be able to build wealth. Do you think this is even possible or am I just talking that set of my neck? I guess I would say that it's possible depending on your income or what you make. Uh, average working class man probably couldn't do that. Why you say that? Because uh, based on society, the average person only makes between ten and twelve dollars. After taxes and half of that, you probably wouldn't be able to live uh, live comfortably or even okay comfortably. Now, now, would you say the, the problem is people tend to spend more than what they make? I mean, it's not what you make; it's what you keep. Well, what wouldn't the solution be to just downsize your lifestyle to fit your income? You can downsize your lifestyle, but I guess just based on who's all there, if it's just you, do you have kids, a family to worry about? It just depends on what all you downsizing to. I mean, if it's just one person, if it's just yourself, maybe you could, you know, live in, you know, downsize your life quite a bit, but as a family, I wouldn't. Well, well, you still have to deal with your wants versus your needs, even more so if you have a family and kids and being the uh, breadwinner of the family, you have to make sure that the lights on, the food in the house, there's a roof over the head before they can get the the video games that they might want. What are your thoughts on that? Well, if we're speaking from a family point of view, and if we're still speaking on half of your income, based on the average income, if you that's around a thousand dollars, maybe eleven hundred bucks after taxes, maybe eight eight fifty. Cut that a half, that's four hundred bucks. You probably can you probably can only maybe get a one bedroom and maybe pay lights depending on the price of that place. So it would be impossible for a family to cut back that hard, but maybe one person, a single person, possible. Okay, well here's my here's my uh, formula. The Marshall Wealth Management Cash Flow family formula is this: you tithe 10%, you save 10%, you invest 5%, you have debt management of 25%, and you live off 50%. So if a person is making $2,000 a month, then if they're going to tithe or gift 200 of that, they should pay themselves by way of saving 200 of that. They should invest in their 401k or some type of an investment plan, uh, roughly $50 of that. So that's $450 there. Then they should spend about, uh, I guess it would be, uh, let's see, two, $450 on their um, debt management, their car pay or whatever that might be. So now you get about $900. You got $1,100. Well, you got $1,000 left over. I mean, is that does that seem feasible? Well, it just depends on what you actually feed it on. Like, for example, you say maybe $450 on a car payment. The average car note costs about $450. And then you got insurance, too, to worry about. So the average car you're going to spend that on is probably about $500. And that's with full coverage. Because most, okay. most cars, you cannot rent a car or lease a car without having full coverage. So unless you're buying it right out cash, but clearly you probably wouldn't have that if you're trying to downsize, you know. But who knows, you know. But I get your point. In theory, it's kind of difficult to live off 50%. However, I guess the gist of this exercise is if you try to live off 
maybe you'll fall at around 60 or 70, but you're still making an attempt to budget your money more effectively. Right, I would say so. I mean, if you were, just say if you said, hey, I'm gonna try this for three months, and your overhead might be two, three hundred dollars extra than you thought, and you're trying to work it out some kind of way, I mean, uh, again, I would say it's possible, but again, that just depends on who all you gotta take care of, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it's just one person, I, I don't see it being a problem, but if you got a wife, and depending on if she's working or not, or just, you know, stay-at-home mom to take care of the family, you got right. the kids to worry about groceries, got background cell phone bills, you know, and even, not for kids, just say grown-up cell phone bills, you know, and all that, and groceries. Mm -hmm. We didn't factor in that part as well either. Yeah, so, now, now, but you're married though, right? Yes. Now, is your wife working? Yes. So, in your own household, do you think it would be possible to live off 50% of your income, your combined income? It would be possible to manage but again, if it was just us, it would be it would be a piece of cake. But we got we have five kids, so when you factor right. in five kids right. and that, then not not possible. But if it was just us, then I would say yeah, because you can work your way around it. But not when you got to take care of the other miles. Well, you know, I believe also in the concept of you do what you have to do until you can do what you want. Now, if we sacrifice on the front end, make changes or sacrifices so that we can set aside some money. You need to get in this name. Uh, set aside some money to build up a cash reserves would be in a better position, don't you think? I mean, given doing less, spending less on things that are not needed. Like I always say to my clients, for the first three months of the year, you should only focus on what you need as opposed to what you want. So going, going back to what you said, let's say you did have kids, right? And you said that would after maybe saving for a 1K car note, and we didn't factor in insurance or, or water or lights or any or any of that. Oh, that falls in your 50%. Then you gotta factor in how much is your rent you're paying. That falls into your 50%. Of the thousand dollars that's left, or whatever your income is, if if it is that two thousand dollars a month income, and you're saying, all right, of that two thousand, one thousand, I should be able to get close to paying my my rent, and my utilities, and my food, my groceries, my essentials. Not if you have a mortgage, because that goes in your twenty five percent. Right. So if you're paying your rent with a thousand dollars, again, if it's just you, possible. If you have, it depends on what you got: two bedroom, three bedroom, condo. I mean, there's a good chance that the majority of that is going to be going right there. I mean, even a one-bedroom with these days' prices or economy is about seven, seven fifty just for a one-bedroom to okay. live. Okay. And so, and just say if you got kids, I mean, unless you're willing to cram all, cram your family up in, you know, a one-bedroom and say, hey, we're going to be here. But then, and if it, in that, just say, just say seven hundred bucks if you, if you want to give or take for a one-bedroom. Okay. Let's factor in light bill. You know, hey, my light bill, the average light bill is probably a hundred bucks. Who knows? Right. You know, and that's with, that's being single or or with kids, probably a little more than they. Right. Right, absolutely. And then let's just say groceries. Kids, you're looking at 50, at least two hundred bucks every, every week. But, but in your household where you do have two incomes, would you have to make any significant changes now to get to where your household is living off of fifty percent of your income? I would still say so because my uh, where I pay is probably not what most people pay. Okay. So I pay a little bit more than probably some people. Mm -hmm. So my 50% would probably be my mortgage. And so so you're saying you would not be able to live off 50%. So you're saying you not, not, I'm saying as a unit, I'm saying if I have 50%, just say we have 50, if, I was, if I'm with someone and they have 50% as well, mm -hmm. my 50% goes towards mortgage. So okay. therefore, Now, but I'm, keep in mind that 25% is, is your mortgage is debt management. That's 25%. That's not the 50. Mm -hmm. So you're tithing 10%, you're saving 
saving 10%, you're investing 5%, debt management 25%, that includes your mortgage as well, and you live off 50. And what all the debt management include? Anything was a debt. That's a mortgage, that's a car payment, that's credit card debt, school loans. Right. You should so. keep your debt below 25% of your income. The banks want you to be around 30%, but you right. try to keep it 25. Again, with me and what I'm going through, it's probably uh, probably possible, but again, we got five kids, so it would be a it would be a, a it would be a push. It'd be, it'd be sacrificing not just what you want to need, it's stuff you would normally need. Right. Like, just say if we had to buy groceries, you know, it's, it's more like saying, hey, we're going to eat a, a pork chop and some macaroni tonight. Right, right. <laughs> because that got to make off 50%. It's you know? more like, hey, we eat noodles tonight, you right, know? Right. So that would make a big dramatic change and stuff right. like that, you know? So it would be really hard on probably both parties, parents and kids, Absolutely. trying to make that survive off 50%. You know? Okay. Now, let's talk about why that's even a thing. Why would I even say that you should build in percentages of, of how you should use each? dollar because I believe that you should know the place for every dollar that comes into the house. Most people do not have the appropriate amount of cash reserves and that's emergency money. That's right. a minimum of six months living expenses, maximum of 12. Right. So one way to be able to save that money would be to budget what's coming in the door and say, hey, I'm going to pay myself, save at right. least 10% of my income. So if you're not controlling or knowing where each dollar is supposed to go, it will be difficult to get to where you have that cushion built up. Does that make sense? Right, it makes sense. And again, that depends on that person and what they're willing to do. Not speaking of my own personal finances, but I would assume that most folks would try to save money or if they have credit cards, they would try to keep them to a minimum balance to where if you do hit a hard, you know, a hard place, you'll be able to survive for a little bit without having to lose everything you got just to get by for a month or two. Right, and that sounds good, but you know, it would be great if, if most people did do that, but what we found in this last government shutdown is that most people could not deal with a $5 emergency if it came up. Most people don't have the proper amount of cash reserves because they are living in the want world instead of the, the need world or somewhere in between. You know, it, it is a paradigm shift in the way you think in order to effectively manage your money. And I just wonder whether or not it is even realistic to say, okay, a family might be able to live off 50% of the income coming to the house. Right. A realist, realistically saying, I can't say it's a fact until, you know, it's actually proven, but I'm sure at some point, at some point you can, based on the family, you know, or the size of the family. But I would say at some point, possibly realistic, just depending on the family size, you know, whether you have one kid to worry about, four or five kids, you know. It just, it just really depends, you know. And if it is a family, I imagine also it definitely depends on whether or not you and your significant other are talking about money or actually listing each month what the expenses are. I like to say to people, you should do a diary of expenses for 30 days to see exactly where every penny is going. If you spend a dollar on something, write it down for 30 days so you can know where you're wasting money or where your money is truly going so you can redirect to where it needs to be going. What do you think right. about that? In my opinion, I believe I would just say that uh, I would, you know, some form of what you just said that that helps some people, you know, if they're not able to manage properly. You know, so I do 
believe that there's nothing wrong with writing stuff down or seeing, seeing where your money goes. Unless you just naturally know things like, hey, this, 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 and you have a knack for automatically saving money and you have no problem with it, so it's okay. But if someone, if, if it's someone that who usually has an issue with saving money and they think they can't, then maybe that might help them figure out what exactly they're doing. You know, whether you go out to eat, whether you go buy a, a store and you bought this because you wanted it, but you really didn't need it. So, oh, okay. It would just depend on that person, you know. But yeah, that, that's all right. I've done it before, so. So that's where structure works for some, but it's not right. needed for others. Right. Basically, everybody's different, so you got to just find your knack, and whatever works for you, then that would be the way to go. So I guess what we're saying is the consensus is <laughs> it's possible to live off fifty percent, but not likely. It's possible with, especially if you have a wife, you know, and she's actually a wife that's working. <laughs> okay. If you have a wife that's not working, then it's one you. And then again, that's just I, I'm just basing that off the average income of uh, the economy. Not saying if you're you know more wealthy than other than you, you might be bringing in 60, 70k a, right. a, a year, then then right. probably very doable. Right. You know, right. but again, that just depends on the person's income. And also, not only uh, if your spouse is working, but is your spouse cooperative? Are they buying into the strategy of living within our means and saving the amount of money that we need to save to have a comfortable lifestyle for years to come and not being knocked off off of schedule for one emergency that might pop up, uh, a wreck or a broken bone or a downsize for a, a month won't cause you to go to the poorhouse. Again. I always say again because I, it's just an opinion. Because of course, you know, we, I don't have facts to prove any of this. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, it just depends on the, it depends on who you are. You know, if you're able to do it and structure and use your common sense to say, hey, you know what? We're not going to do this. I'm sure everybody wants to go out to a movie or out to eat or just whatever. But sometimes you got to just know when to, when to say no or hold back. And those are times where you save a little bit here and there. And that's usually what most what some people do, or at least I would do sometimes. You know, hey, I would like to go spend that three hundred dollars on this trip or this show but you know what I know what I need to do what's more important for me and my family down the line so I'll pass on this one I'll you know I'll check you out next round or something like that you know what I mean or try it then but you gotta know when to say no when to say yes and know you to pick and choose, pick and choose the battles Justin wiser words that never been spoken thank you so much for taking the time to share with the listening audience your view <laughs> on cash flow management and how you see it in this crazy world we live in thank you so much no problem Alrighty, 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 podcast number 11 of 100 is in the bag. And hopefully, your knowledge was increased by listening. Keep increasing your knowledge by going to marshallyourmoney.com and check out our educational videos, newsletters, and calculators. There you can sign up for a free copy of my book, 100 Wealth Building Secrets. And you can also like this podcast and follow it on podbean.com. And of course, check out one of my other social media social media channels, such as Facebook, Black Family Wealth at Facebook.com, Twitter, James Marshall at Marshall Wealth, uh, LinkedIn, James Marshall at LinkedIn, Instagram, Marshall Wealth at Instagram, and my YouTube channel, James Marshall Financial Educator. I hope I said something you can use. And until next time, keep building wealth. Yeah. Uh. It's saving one on one. You feel me? I teach you how to save. You earn your money. You earn your money. I know you can. I teach you how to save. Don't waste your money, but bank your money. Don't spend your ends. I teach you how to save. Your bank account will be filling out with them dividends.